Welcome to the Fizzle Show. This is, of course, the Fizzle Show, a weekly talk show for those who want to do great work, dent the universe, and support yourself doing something you care about. Your hosts are Barrett Brooks, Steph Crowder, Corbett Barr, and me, Chase Reeves. We run Fizzle.co, honest training and genuine community for lifestyle business builders where you can learn what you need just in time instead of constantly consuming info across the web. Hello. It costs $35 a month, but as a listener, you can get your first five weeks for free on us when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. Okay. In this episode, uh, this is a big episode, tackling what may be the most important work you ever do. We do a good job of setting it up in the conversation, so let's just leave this intro at that. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 140, that's 140. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. And we're back! Just like that. <laughs> just like that. Jeez. Look at that. Some people are in the middle of their week, they're on a run, and all yeah. of a sudden it's just like, whoa! Some people just rode over here in the rain, and two minutes later we're podcasting. Here we are. Here we are. How's that? Uh, we, got a, we got a little uh, a notice that maybe we shouldn't uh, take so long in starting up the podcast. Oh, okay, fine. No banter for you guys today. <laughs> Straight into the topic. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, the best was your tweet the other day about like, I get so upset when people like moan about like bad language. It's just language, people. There's like a bunch of responses to this. And one of them is like, well, their complaint is just language, Corbett. You don't need to get all up in arms about it. <laughs> I just died laughing. Including a large portion of your potential audience. I, I just died laughing of him just going like, I'll take that logic and I'll raise you that logic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so I have a I have a topic today that's really near and dear to my heart. This is something that what what I, I'm excited about this because as soon as you mentioned it, Barrett got that look on his face. Yeah, like, like maybe yep. he's not going to say anything for about thirty minutes, and then he's going to explode. <laughs> he's it's going to be a Barrett bomb. <laughs> I don't know what we call those a Brooks bomb. He's the Brooks bomber. We got him the Brooks bomber jacket. Barrett top is another another. <laughs> that's his stand up name. <laughs> <laughs> he brings a he brings a trunk around with him when he gets on the stage. So it's a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. It's something I'm I myself am processing, uh, processing, and I, I guess I'm almost struggling with. Right? Uh, well, here's here's the deal. Um, what I want to walk through today is is how can you create your own definition of success? Here's why this has become important to me, because I feel like our souls. Are a are going to compare us to every image that that we see out there, right? So for us, it's like for myself, it's like when I see someone's potentially their um, notoriety that they have X, Y, and Z, or why is that person getting tweeted by that person, or why is that person making this much money every month and putting it on their their monthly income reports, or why is this, that, and the other? My soul just kind of lashes out, starts comparing myself to other people. This is not a unique thing. We all have the, like every entrepreneur I've ever talked to, this comes up. Like, how do you keep yourself from comparing to other people? Or they're just living in that world and then you go like, dude, you have to stop comparing yourself to other people. You've got to pick a different metric to measure yourself by, right? So this has come up a lot recently for me because what I realize is, is that there's this game being played everywhere. In business, there's a game being played. There's a lot of different games being played. And it matters a bunch what the rules of that game are 
and you can make up your own rules. In fact, it's kind of the point that you make up your own rules because if you don't, you're just going to be playing by someone else's rules. Okay. So meaning their definition of success becomes your definition of success. And this happens ubiquitously, like across the board, unless you set up like and say to yourself and get your mantra together or whatever, and write it down, you will fall into the trap that all of us fall into, uh, you know, the comparison to other, just inheriting a definition of success from society. And there's this really amazing thing that that's gone on recently from the university called Strayer College or Strayer, Strayer University, where they have this campaign to actually get Merriam-Webster's Dictionary to change the definition of success. Uh, let me see if I can find the, um, the, the version of success that they currently have. Success, noun. This is Merriam-Webster's Webster's definition. Success, noun. The fact of getting or achieving wealth, respect, or fame. Okay? And then in this huge study that these guys did at Strayer University, they're like, here's the percentage of people that have, again, the definition was wealth, respect, or fame. And the people that they interviewed were like, only 21% mentioned wealth, 50% mentioned respect, and 3% mentioned fame in their own definition of like, hey, what is success to you? Um, and so the whole idea is like, how do we expand and change this definition? Here's their definition that they want to get to. Uh, happiness derived from good relationships and achieving personal goals. I'll have this all in the show notes. And I think that, so I'll say that again, happiness derived from good relationships and achieving personal goals. That's what success is. That's what they're trying to define. Like Merriam-Webster's, all the dictionaries, let's change change success to this is what success means. Because the truth is we've lived in a culture that says this is the good stuff. Are you on TV? You're part of the good stuff. Do you have a huge huge house? You're part of the good stuff. Yep. You're doing it right. You're doing it right. And you're doing it right is I think what really like starts squashing my soul is the question of like, am I doing this right? Yeah, and the, the most amazing part of this to me or the most ironic part is that people who become entrepreneurs want to work for themselves so that they are their own boss, yeah. right? And they do it for a lot of reasons. Yeah. They do it for happiness and and other things. But what ends up happening is even though we're own, our own bosses, we end up following yeah. somebody else's definition of success. We never really set up, we never define what success is to us as entrepreneurs. Yeah. We just think that becoming an entrepreneur is going to make us happy. But then we're not really our own boss because our boss becomes the definition of success that somebody else defines yeah. that we're chasing. It's money. Yeah. And, and, and what's it going to be? It's going to be like, like, like Miriam Webster currently, uh, wealth, uh, fame, yep. or notoriety. Yeah. Right? Uh, I guess notoriety is is fame. Hold on, that wealth, respect, or fame. Yeah, you know, and, and I and so so Steph, as you're as I'm hearing this, I'm as you're hearing this, I'm on this side of the table. What what are you what are you hearing when we talk talk about these kinds of things? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with with the way you've set this up. I think for me, this comes back to how we've gone through most of our lives up until this point, right? For most of our lives, success has meant hitting certain milestones, achieving certain things, crossing certain accomplishments off the list. For most of us, this is how we were raised. It's been, you know, get these grades, get into that college, end up with this kind of job. And as a result, we all become gold star chasers. I always like that term, gold star chasing. Hmm. And the gold star was going to change for you many times throughout your life. And you find yourself in this constant state of chasing after this goalpost that keeps moving. So to me, there's a big difference between what I like to think of as intentional ambition, that which takes you deeper into yourself and what you truly value versus empty ambition, which has you chasing after objects or status just for the sake of being 
quote, an achiever. So I think we do live in this in this culture of overachievement, but the problem with that is when achievement is not anchored to anything that you really care about, you end up just kind of always moving that goalpost. You're always going to need to make more money to be happy, you know, to weigh this amount. Maybe you'd be happy that way to live in this house, to have this type of job. And then you achieve those things. And then all of a sudden you look up and you have a new goal and it's not based in anything. So I think that's really where the danger is when we think of success. Yeah. It's like, I feel for me personally, it's like there's this inherited answer for what it's, but what the, what it's supposed to look like or whatever. There's this inherit, like I, I inherited this from, from my culture. Uh, from 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 the ether that I that I from the the atmosphere around me, right? I just sucked it up like like oxygen, and and I have these real intense feelings of of or assumptions about that's what it's like to be successful. Or that's where I should be aiming at. And then the thing is, though, like once you get there and you go, well, this is not this isn't what I signed up for. Like this is actually, I thought this would fill that thing that in my heart. Like I thought this would make me feel something different. You know what I mean? Yep. And so I feel like it's really important to figure it out. Like what that what the thing is that you want that you're chasing after is, um, and I think what you've just said, Steph, about the the gold star chasers sort of achievement oriented thing, that's a real big deal. You can ask my therapist about how how often we talk about that stuff. And then Corbett, the, to you, the 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 irony that we all, as independent, self employed people who want to do what, like do it our way, the fact that we go. And, and like, because it's like, I don't want to work for somebody else. I don't want to play by someone else's rules. And then it just kind of starts to happen over time that we're all comparing ourselves to each other. We're all trying to do it, uh, trying to out, out, I don't know, trying to do the right thing. I don't know, trying to get the get the kind of re- recognition or wealth that that across the board means, look, at you're a successful person now. And nobody can say that you're not, you know? And I, and I think there's always going to be someone who can say that you're not successful no matter what kind of success you reach for. So it can't be just about that. Right, so I don't know, Barrett. What are you feeling, hearing over there? Totally. I'm ready. That's one of those things. <laughs> it's hard for me. Here we go. It's really hard for me. Yeah. So I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out something that's probably gonna make people mad at me, and that's like, you know what? You're kind of weak if you don't. I think that if you don't define success, because my my greatest fear in having this conversation, and the same thing with the self doubt one, was we're gonna give people permission to be weak, to sell themselves short. And another excuse not to pursue something of meaning or excellence in their life. Mm. And nothing pisses me off more in the world than when I see a friend or someone I care about or someone I don't care about that has so much potential and just pisses it away mm-hmm. doing something that doesn't matter to them. And they just abdicate all responsibility for having meaning and purpose and direction in life because it's not available to them or they don't want to do the hard work or they don't want to think about what success means to them. And so if there's one thing I don't want people to take away from this, it's not about you just saying, well, if I don't have to play by anyone else's rules and I should just kick back and hang out and not worry about the world. No, do worry about something. There is a point. Success does mean something to you, even if it's not by other people's standards. And so for me, I just have such low tolerance for people having zero goals, zero definition of success, zero pursuit of anything in their lives, that it's really hard for me to even get into the whole like, well, don't think about success type thing. Yeah. And I think that to me, that's when, uh, so I I love that you bring that up because to me, this is more about, um, for me, I was always chasing success regardless of what it would get me, right? It was always like, this. I, I just found myself 
in in these long stretches of doing things to try to get someone to like me or people to like me in general to be seen as a kind of person without ever questioning the motives of mm. why. So yeah. it's like I had a built-in compass that was that I didn't calibrate to my true north. You know what I mean? Um, which mm-hmm. is a great. Is a wow. That's a great metaphor. Can we just run? Can we, can you guys, li- hey, listen. I don't know if you're if you know this or not, but that was a really good metaphor. I just want you to again for the audience. Let's go ahead and say that. Chase, go ahead and say that one again for them. All right. Thank you, Tony. Um, it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen, Corbett. I just think you're being a little bit rude right now. I'm standing right here. I understand you might not be familiar with me. I not, might not be successful as you define the term, but I feel like I'm a valuable contributing member of society. Right. Sorry. Thank you, Tony. Uh, I, I So again, this, this idea that there's a compass in all of us and it is operating. It is telling you where to go. The only question is whether or not you have calibrated that to your true north. Yeah. And I don't want it to sound so woo-woo and, and, and touchy-feely, but uh, fundamentally this is. I mean, for me, this goes way out to this like existentially crisis-y kind of thing. Like potentially there's no meaning or purpose in all of this. There's this quote from uh, from... James Altucher, and he says, like, listen, in a world of trillions of universes with trillions of years to come, there's literally no definition of success that is anointed by everybody. There's no, there's no way you can define success that we all agree upon. It has to be defined by you. And to me, there's that, there's, I, I, I kind of spin out and, and, lo- and lose myself and my ego in, in that sort of, wow, trillions of years to come. You know what I mean? hundred. What's his name? Uh, uh, Ray Romano has this line where he's like, listen, here's the thing about trying to be great. In a hundred years, there's all new people. <laughs> all new people on earth. Nobody knows your name anymore. One hundred years. That's it. You know? And so it, that's where it's like, the sooner you think about death and your own insignificance, the more you can get down to work and go like, hey, what do I want to be about? Yeah, but here's the thing. And Steph started to bring it up. We are trained from the moment we enter school to be yeah. part of some system that keeps dangling some vision for success in front of us that we don't get to set. Yeah. Right. Yep. They say you have yep. to get good grades. You have to finish school. You have to go to a good college. You have to get the right job. And uh, our mutual friend, Adam Baker and Grant Peel made a movie a couple of years ago. And there was a line in there from a woman who stars in the movie. The movie's called I'm fine. Thanks. It's a great documentary about people who are living alternative lives. And this woman says this line. She says, I spent years climbing the corporate ladder only to get up a ways and realize that it was leaned up against the wrong wall. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's what happens to most of us. But, but many people don't ever have that realization. We just continue climbing that ladder because it's, it is what's in front of us. Think about how terrifying it is to really sense that like, there isn't a teacher at the end of this thing to like, tell me I did a good job. Yep. Right. And you have to just go like, I'm doing the best that I know how to do. And this is what I want. That's what's exciting to me about this question is, okay, calibrating your, your compass for your own true north. Takes, that's called self-actualization. That's called like I have activated myself to, to, to create my own destiny, I guess for lack of a better term. I hate how, how the secret all of this sounds, but do you know what I mean? Remember that the secret? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, what's exciting and, and empowering to me about it is Listen, there's a game. You can you, you can you can survive doing a lot of different stuff here, right? And then you will you then you will decay and perish. And 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 I don't know if you come back. I don't know if if uh, if you go on to meet your maker. I don't know what you do. But you you can live however, like basically however you want to here. 
while you can. And so how do you want to live? What do you want to be about? What problems do you want to help solve? Because to me, that's what's built into this. Is like clearly there are things that I enjoy doing and there are problems probably that are important to me. But I, th- I think also rooted in this is just the fact that you're asking yourself the question because when you pursue yeah. other people's goals just because you don't want to ask yourself the hard questions, yeah. then you set yourself up for an empty version of success. Yeah. Yeah. You gain some modicum of money or fame or recognition or whatever, and you realize it's not really worth anything on its face. Yeah. It's something that happens because you pursued something else. Yeah. Um, and and we bring this up, I think, because we find ourselves becoming unhappy when we start judging ourselves against other people's success. Mm-hmm. I wrote a blog post about this a couple of years ago because this happened to me after a conference where we kept uh, running into people who were really successful in the three definitions that you brought up from the dictionary. Yeah, yeah. And you start to compare yourself to those people and you feel really about what you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and partly that's because you're not grounded enough in your own defini- definition of success or because you didn't realize it, but you actually are chasing those things that everybody else seems to be chasing. See, yeah. But what's interesting yeah. to me is like more often than not, when I look at things like that, it's like, man, that's bull that somebody can make money like that or can reach success doing it that way that people go for that. That's what, that's what makes me feel bad about myself more often is that when I look around our space online, it pisses me off. I get so jaded by so much of what goes on in the world of online business that it's like, if that's what success is, I literally don't care about this whole business thing mm. because I don't ever want to act like that. I don't want to be talked about like that. I don't mm. want to do business like that. I don't want to make money that way. And so that's the more discouraging thing for me than like, oh, look at that. Look at his house. Look at his car. Look at whatever. I don't yeah. care about that stuff. But, I want more money to give more money away. That's my definition of why I want more money. And so if some dude has more money because he tricks people into paying him for a product, like whatever, that's his problem. That's why... I get discouraged. So maybe that's why this is so frustrating for me because it's not about wanting what other people have. It's about the methods people use to get there and the fact that we've created a world where that can work. Mm. Mm. What were you going to say, Corbin? But I still think that means that you want what they have. If it pisses you off that they have that thing, it means that you're not grounded enough, confident enough that the, the impact that you're making in the world matters more than the impact they're making in the world. Or as much, or is as valid, yeah. or, or, or is a- matters more to you, or yeah, whatever. is a way. That's, I think, I think we are a pack animal. I think we have, you know, a few millennia under our our, our wings of, of like relating to one another. And I think this is just some deep, deep, deep code. It's a soulish thing, like way deep down to go like, how am I in the pack? How do I, how do I count up to, to everybody in this, this little tribe and all this stuff? So I think it's like a reflex. I, th- I think it's, and it takes a lot of discipline or just a little bit. It really just takes a little bit of discipline to pop your head up yeah. and go, I can choose any direction. Which well, way do I, I want to go? And I think the, the problem comes when it, you reduce everything down to uh, quantitative measures. When you start looking at things in terms of how many followers or how much right. money or whatever, yeah. and you're not reading the nuance, I have to turn all that shit off for the most part, mm-hmm. um, or I have to go into a very Zen place in my mind in order to read about what other people are achieving. Yeah. Um, however, if you're reading about the qualitative stuff, the stories behind what they've done, yeah. then you don't get pissed off because you realize that there's a human behind every single success story. You might feel like they're shady, 
but you get to know them or you read about something that they've gone through and you're like, oh, that's a real person. Totally. And so they deserve it in some way. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Chase, you brought up the word ego, and I think that's a really important thing to think about as you're thinking about your own definition of success. Can I just say I'm really glad that you that you brought up how important my is, comments on ego were? It was so important. And I think <laughs> I think in particular though, ego is I mean, I t- I tend to find for myself, and I think we can all agree, ego is often the loudest voice in your head. It's the voice that uses words like should, you know, I should be doing this. I should be achieving this level of wealth, or I should have this high powered job because I earned it and I shouldn't walk away and do something that actually I care about. Mm. And I think anytime you hear the word should, like this is kind of like a little yep. trick I use for myself. Anytime I hear the word should, I should be doing this. And you kind of get that like pit of dread. Mm-hmm. That's how I know that I'm listening to my ego more than something like into intuition or my best judgment or my value system. And you have to, it really is tough to turn that ego voice off because back to what Corbett said, I do think it's so deeply implanted, but when you can tap into it and like, just stop that track, like hit pause and ask yourself like, okay, for, but for what, like, who cares if I get that amazing job or that corner office or, you know, this amount of stock options or whatever the case may be in a professional realm and ask yourself like, for what, you know, like, what is that for? What does it get me closer to the things I actually care about or not? You know what they say, right? What do they say, Corbett? Wish in one hand, should in the other. (laughs) See which fills up first. (laughs) Oh, Oh, snap. I will be damned. You are full of them. (laughs) Terrific. Here's what, but what's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen to 95% of people who listen to the show. I'm talking directly into your ear hole right now, the person <laughs> listening to this. Let's get You're going to listen so to this. You're going to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to define my own version of success. I'm going to walk away from my job. I'm going to go do what I think is right in the world. And then you're not going to do shit. You're going to walk away from this. You're not going to do anything. You're going to be inspired for a half day and it's going to be like, yeah, they're right. You know what? I'm going to define my own sense of success and I'm going to lead my life the way I want to. And then nothing's going to change. It's hard. This is a hard path. You don't get to say, I'm going to define my success and then go do it tomorrow. It takes work. This is not like a conversation you have today Mm. and then it happens tomorrow. This is work over years and years of your life and dedication to a path and dedication to a set of work of some kind. Absolutely. And like, it's not, you don't get the privilege of defining your sense of success and then having fulfillment from it. You get to work your ass off to go find it and make it happen. Mm -hmm. So it's not a conversation. It's action that comes out of this. I totally agree. And I, I think this is, uh, this is like the very first episode of the fizzle show. We talked about self-realization mm-hmm. and how that's like one of the, the, the most important journeys you'll go through life. And it's really something that you never attain. Right. Uh, but you always strive for. And I think defining your own version of success is the exact same thing. Yeah. So we shouldn't make people believe that you sit down one day uh, define your own vision of success or create a vision for your life or whatever it is. And, and then, and then your life is different from that day forward. Yeah. You have to constantly do this. Yes. I have to yeah. redo this for myself like every month. Cause I forget yeah. you start totally. and it's, and to relate this something back to my own life, it's little things that you're surrounded by in TV with your friends, with the people you work with that are just accepted that you'll be happy if you achieve them. And people right. say money doesn't buy happiness or whatever. Nobody believes it. Baloney, right. man. I we know it does. We know it, but we don't believe it. So, and little things about your life um, can take this as well. It doesn't have to be the the big, uh, you know, North Star, like money or whatever. It can be little things mm-hmm. like 
where you live or whether you live in the suburbs or the city and yeah. whether you drive or bike or whatever. Whether your wife likes it when she looks at you and you can tell that she's interested in you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or That's a big personal goal for me. <laughs> Personally, my life improves. But I mean, a simple example from your life, Corbett, that you talk about regularly is the fact that Every week, I think, you look at your your personal vision for your life and evaluate whether you're on the right track. Most people will never have that level of commitment to their version of success. And like, same thing for me. I have the nerdiest spreadsheet I print out every month. It's called my personal KPIs. And at the beginning of every year, I set an intention. 2015 was my year of do more of less. So I wanted to focus on the core things in my life and do more of those and cut everything else out. And so I've got daily, weekly, and monthly habits, systems, as James Clear puts them, that I know will lead to the goals that I'm talking about. So We're going to talk about James's systems here in a little bit. So being more peaceful in life and like being more okay with where I am, I know that if I meditate, that that makes me feel better, more calm. I know that when I exercise, it makes me feel the same way. And so every night I go down my checklist with my printed spreadsheet on my desk and I check off the things that I didn't, didn't do. And at the end of every month, I have to own the fact that if I say my life's gonna be better, I'm gonna be more successful, quote unquote, if I meditate three times a week, and I did it no times this month, I'm not actually dedicated to this process. I'm not actually doing the things I think will make me successful. Yeah. And so yeah. either I need to correct for that, or I need to own the fact that that's not actually important to me. Yeah. But yeah. the thing about habits like that is no one does it, because you hear that and you're like, you are a loser, and I don't want to <laughs> be my friend. <laughs> but the reality is that is the work here. If yeah. you want to define your own definition of success, you don't get to just put it out into the universe and it comes back to you. You measure it, yeah. you evaluate yourself against it, and then you work closer. I'll, I'll tell you what, here's, here's what I'm hearing you say, Barrett. This is what I'm hearing. You, you let me know if, if I'm picking up what you're putting down there. All right. Um, okay. So I'm hearing you say that you have to do. Your definition of success. You can't just define success. You got to do it. I'm talking D-O. I'm talking direct objectives. I'm talking Dan's office. Do. You know what I mean? Sorry, Dan's office kind of snuck in there. <clears throat> Who's Dan? <laughs> He's a friend of mine. It's not important. <laughs> oh, there's layers of that character. <laughs> so, listen... I love this. I love what we've what we've discussed so far, right? There's this compass that we all have. There's you got to pick which la which wall you lay your ladder upon because it's going to take a ton of work to climb that ladder, right? Like you're saying you have to do the success. You have to do the work towards your definition of success. So you got to kind of do the work to understand if you've got a definition that feels right to you or not. Mm -hmm. Here's yep. some here's what do you what do you got on that? Well, and most of us uh pick a ladder. We don't really necessarily pick one. Yeah. Like what our early 20 something selves Choose some wall. No, dude, you're you inherit this. Like for me and my yeah. family, it was like there was a certain amount of money or recognition in the community that that was just built in. No one ever said anything. This is all just built in. It's all yeah. just the fabric of like where we lived and what people said here, there, and other way. It was all built in. And mo most of my life, like I was the I was the alternative kid in my family. My brother, he like kind of did things the way the mom and dad were like, yeah, that's kind of what we expected and what we wanted. And me, I was like, no way, man. I'm gonna start some emo bands and some and some heavy metal bands. No, I'm gonna just gonna start some death metal bands. Okay, some grindcore bands. All right, I'm gonna paint. I'm gonna paint my nails black. I'm gonna wear all black. I'm gonna dye, I'm gonna dye my hair black. I'm gonna pierce parts of my body that you hopefully never find out about. Oh no, you found out about it. Okay, you know what I mean? Like I was just so alternative. The most alternative thing, the most like most like alternative thing I did was like I became a super hardcore evangelical Christian. 
for a long time. Like that's what I'm trained to be a pastor. And and my parents never got it. I was vegan, like all the things, just pushing all the buttons, searching for all the meanings, searching for my like sort of feeling of of like I'm in the vein, like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. You know, very almost none of us feel that. Isn't it interesting though, like through all of that work that you've done, yeah, like trying and yours has been a lot of just try it yeah. out and see how it feels or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh and rebelling. Mm-hmm. But you still Struggle with this just like everybody else. Does. Still struggle with you it. Still find yourself in that trap of yeah. following other. And if anything, I, I've got. A, a, it's just been a, a long time of sensitivity to this, right? My wife, uh, she hasn't had this traditionally. She's like very loyal and very consistent. And when she says she does something, she's going to do it. And that can get her into troubles too, you know. And so, whereas I'm like, no, I'm not committing to anyone or anything. I'm doing me, baby. I'm like Drake on a weekend at the dance club. <laughs> but, but, um, uh, all all of that to to say. That there's there's a lot to discover and define here. So so as I'm thinking about this, I want to get into some actionable like little bits that that we can go like okay. So how what can we do to actually come up with a definition sure. of success? Because Barrett, you you have some things that you have it sounds like built in about your definition. You mentioned like I want to make money so I can give more away, um, things like that. I think we all kind of have things floating around in our mind. We have a spirit. We have a sense, a feeling of like that's not like me. When we see someone do something that feels douchey, it's like, yeah, I don't want to do it that way, yep. right? We, we all have those, but we don't all necessarily do the work to pull some of those out, get them on paper where we can objectively sort of look at them, remember them, can maybe have like a mnemonic device that like helps us to do those, something that we look at every week, every day even, mm-hmm. right? This is some Tony Robbins stuff, but whatever, like this is the way that you can pick a direction and make progress right. towards that goal. And I realize I mean, that, that I take some things for granted. Like I went through a whole two-year program of this in college where the only purpose was to, the output of that program was called a personal uh, development and leadership plan or something like that. And it was a 25 page document reviewing all of the assessments we had done that tell us about our personality and our aptitudes and all of that, Hmm. about our personal values, about uh, things that we'd like to see happen in our lives, whether it was in these like different areas, so family and career and all of this. So I got to go through a lot of this. So maybe that's part of my, my frustration is that like, I, you know, you got to start with that. You got to start with, it's hard work to even get yeah. to that. I put a hell of a lot of work in just to come up with a paper, basically, that was some statement and starting point. Mm. And mm. I fear that a lot of people aren't willing to do that. Even a lot of people in that program weren't willing to take it seriously enough to make it a part of their well, life. Well, totally. And how many people even take that class because it seems right. so cheesy, right? When right. you're in college. Exactly. And, and so like, it is, it is, it feels cheesy. It feels like you're at a Tony Robbins seminar, but the thing is, that's the only way you can get started yeah. is by doing the work on you first. It's I cut power. you off though, Steph. Yeah, yeah. but th- see, that that's what I'm over here thinking. Like, to Barrett's point, once you make the decision that, okay, I fine, I'm going to go out on my own. I am going to, you know, strike the record clean of what I believed success was before. I'm going to define my own success. And we, we do have to acknowledge that the hard work truly starts there. Like, that's mm-hmm. not by any means the end of the journey. I think most people won't even get to that point, though, where they make the decision. I think the easiest thing to do is to never ask these questions. And I think a lot of us know people, and we certainly have been there ourselves, where the, there was a point where we could have said, you know, I'm just going to keep following this path. There are certainly a lot of benefits to staying on the path. There's comfort, there's security. So to me, the the easiest path of all is to never even decide that you care about what success means. Hmm. So I think most people who, if you ask them what success is, they're not even going to want to, to consider defining success for themselves in the first place. Right. Mm, yeah, totally. Um, okay. So I like this. This is, this is good. This is setting everything up for like, cause I, and these are the questions that I'm actively asking myself about, cause I want, okay. So here's one, here's my first question. 
All right. I think that it's really hard to try to manage this because um, you're fighting a battle on two fronts. Okay. One of them is what's the definition of success for my life in like mm-hmm. big, long, zoomed out, like massive narrative arc. And then what's the definition of success on this next season that I'm in, right? Which right. is where the rubber's hitting the road about your life, right? Because um, I, I think, I think, as you said, uh, Barrett, like it's like you have to do work towards your goal. You can't just have it on the on the wall. Because I think what a common experience with is like you're like one of those cool people when you're 30, and then you like have all these ideas of all the stuff you want to do, and you're thinking about it, and you're thinking about it, and you wake up and you're 65, and you're like, wait, I want to do so many things. Mm-hmm. Like where was? Oh uh, yeah, I should really I should really do that. And then you're 75, and and you're like, yeah, there was. I think I was. I can't even remember what I wanted to do. Right. You know what I mean? And and you don't end up doing it unless you make that focused, measured progress towards a thing you're saying yes to and saying no to so many everything else's in your life. Right. And the right? thing, it's like Corbett mentioned this earlier. We end up pursuing things. We don't choose most of the things we, we just end yeah. up places. Right. Yeah. Things find you and, and you don't ever decide if right. you should do it or not. And honestly, I bet a lot of people listening to this ended up saying, Oh, a business is the way to what I want in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even ask what's what I want in life first. Yeah. And the hard part about this and the scary part for me is this might completely derail all your business plans because if you don't have the whole life thing, Mm -hmm. what what does success look like for you? Then I don't think you have any business pursuing business because you've got other work to be doing. And sometimes that means in the short term, you got to take a step back, get a job, do whatever to take care of your family. Yeah. So you can make sure you end up in the right direction and not hating your life just because you wanted to build some million dollar business or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Well, and that's okay too. You might end up making a different decision. You know, one of our fizzlers was, I was actually having just a private conversation with her this past week. She's been running her business for a few years and was sort of deciding if she was going to take a full-time job that really fit her values and fit her vision for what she was trying to do. And you might decide that that makes more sense when Mm -hmm. you evaluate this. And I don't think that there's necessarily a right or wrong. You know, you can always, change your path and truly nothing is permanent. So I think no matter what you do, if you are constantly redefining what success looks like for you, it doesn't really matter if you're opening your business or deciding to get a full-time job. As long as it's rooted in what you're actually trying to, to do with your life, I think it makes total sense on an individual level. So totally. I'm, I'm hearing you say something. Tell me if I'm hearing you right, Steph. But it sounds like you're saying sometimes you got to redefine over time. Is that right? Is that what I'm hearing you say? You can't just define your measure of success. You got to redefine it month after month, week after week, year after year, decade after decade. Your network is your net worth. You just had to throw <laughs> that one it. in Not Nailed even it. remotely related to the conversation, <laughs> but that's okay. No, because, um, uh, wait, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, like, where you're likely to end up in this process is realizing that whatever you're doing right now does not fit your vision for your life. It's a very, I would say it's a highly likely outcome of going through this process of defining. Well, if you're at the beginning of this process, if you've done it before, if you've done it, that's right. If you're doing this for the first time, if you're really waking up to the longer you've done this, the more there should be convergence between your actual life and the life that you want. But if you're waking up to the fact that you're playing by someone else's rules or that you're living by someone else's definition of success, I think it's a highly likely outcome that you're going to end up realizing that what you're doing right now is probably not where you should be. And when that happens, one of the hardest things to do is to balance the short-term needs with the long-term wants that come out of this. 
because there's still the reality of needing to make a living. There's mm-hmm. still the reality of whatever your family situation is. Yep. And it's likely to lead to unhappiness in the short term before you can start taking action on things responsibly to get towards where you'd like to end up. Yeah. And that's scary. Yeah. It's not easy. Well, and the other the other scary thing about this is for as much as um, we or I rail against uh, comparing yourself to others and specifically judging yourself by monetary standards. Right. Even in my sacred, you know, list of things that I review every week, wealth is on there because it's it's a a resource that you need in order to accomplish a lot of things. Now, you need probably a lot less than you think in order to live an extraordinary life. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is simply a resource. It's it's not an ends in itself. It's a means to an end. But it is something that most of us need. And um, there's also a danger, I think, in trying to say that something's not important to you mm-hmm. when deep down you know that it is or you right. believe that it is. And you might find yourself fighting like, you know, yep. to achieve something. And you're like, wait, that's not on my list, but it is. You just don't speak about it. Yep. Totally. Totally. Okay. So here, let, let me back up and kind of summarize what a, a few of the things you guys have said. We've talked about like, you, you know, you have to do your definition of success. And so uh, the, the idea here is how, what are the elements that make this thing up? First, I brought up this season, like success for right now and success for like sort of at the end of my days. So next year I look back and I will feel good about this year if X, Y, and Z have taken place, right? What are X, Y, and and Z? Not to like piss on a parade or whatever, but there should be some urgency here because the end of your days could literally be tomorrow. Yeah, totally. This is what you got. And then, but there's a balance between this season and for all time, right? Which is is also, you're saying, Barrett, uh, similarly, but not exactly the same thing, there is also a balance between what you need, your na- needs right now, versus your wants over time, yep. right? And there is a ba- there's a total dance there. There's an absolute dance there. Um, and then this stuff you came in saying, and then you also got to be okay with redefining this definition over time. This is one of the reasons why it's been a great example of this is our mission statement as a company, or our value statement, or our whatever is lying, whatever words we put underneath the picture of an eagle soaring. <laughs> you know what I mean? In our offices, in headquarters, one day um, we've redefined. We basically redefine that every year. We say, is this still what it feels like? Is this still what it feels like? And we make changes. We've made significant changes over time. Um, that's very natural. Yeah. I, I should hope that you set up a definition of success right now. You run at it uh, how you need to and that you're someone different a year from now and you go like, I can't believe I thought this would make me happy. This is what I know now. And then you run at that and and keep because you're going to learn, you're going to change, you're going to be making up a new, di- you're going to be a different person. You're going to have a different definition of success. So you got to redefine it over time. Now, here's two things that I want to bring up. Um, one thing that's that's uh, that can help you with this idea of a definition of success is a sense of mission or purpose or or the kind of helpful you want to be in yep. the world, right? A lot of us go like, I want to be seen. This is how I feel. This is very much how I feel. I want to be seen. I want to be recognized. I want to be appreciated. I want to have a space in the family, like a spot at the family. I don't want to be like, have all these expectations and pressures put on me to to perform and to get all these achievements. I don't want love for me to be uh, to be determined by how I performed, right? By by whether or not I got a gold star. These are all like just like I'm a little kid. Like I need I need to be nourished. This is where we all come from. But that oftentimes turns into a um, a kind of like how do I get people to to think that I'm awesome? 
right? How do I get people to think that I'm awesome? Like, how do I get people to think that there are a lot of people on my email list? Because that's one of those things that I think makes someone awesome. How do I get, how do I, so it which turns into, if I get a lot of people on my email list, I am an awesome person, which you're not going to feel like an awesome person unless you go, I'm already awesome. Let's start an email list. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like this, it's backwards from that. Right. But there's the, what, what's, what's fundamental to that is me, 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 I, 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 look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And it's what's totally undercut by a different way of looking at things, which is like, where's the problem in the world? Where's the pain? Where's the suffering? Where's the injustice? Where's the thing that I would like to help? And it could be super small. It could be like, I can't believe there's a secret level on Mario that nobody told me about. You know, I need to help other <laughs> other people find this secret level. It could be like, I wish I knew how to cook. You know, it could be like, oh my God, I learned how to cook and now I want to teach other people. It could, it, a number, it, like whatever floats your boat, right? But first of all, there's this sense of mission uh, that you can explore. A sense of, uh, of like, this is something that matters. And that's why I'm in Fizzle. I had, I, I, when, when Corbin and I were talking initially about doing Fizzle, I was actively figuring out what I was going to do. Make, continue making websites for other, you know, pretty successful entrepreneur blogger types. Start something my, by myself uh, on fitness because I really liked how I was feeling doing the strength training that I was doing. It was like really changing my life. And then the other one was this, was Fizzle, which is like, wait, this entrepreneurial thing. I'm like, this is something that really made me feel, similar to weightlifting, made me feel like I wasn't a piece of glass, made me feel like I was a real person, like I couldn't just be broken and like left aside somewhere. It's like, oh no, this is my, this is my uh, autonomy. This is my freedom. This is my creativity. This is all those things that we love about working for ourselves. So I want to jump in on this because I actually do jump think in. mission is really important. There's a couple of categories of things I think you have to define and then hone over time. Mm -hmm. So the first one I think is mission. And to me, that's like, that sits at the level of how you make people feel or change you create in the world or how people talk about you when you're not in the room. You know, there's like this greater sense of purpose kind of thing that gets built in there that may not be directly related to the work. Mm. So you know, you might love making food, but if you ask why enough times, you're going to get back to really the mission behind that. Maybe it's that you, you love nourishing people and love creating a sense of community or whatever, but usually it's not about the actual work product. This is more about change you're creating or feelings you're creating in others yeah. or something at that level to me is what personal mission is about. And there's values and values to me are about the criteria we use to gauge whether we're living the kind of life we want to live. So they're words or phrases or feelings or something that we can run down the list and say, am I living my life in a way that reflects these things? So maybe it's, maybe community is a value for you. So you say, am I living my life in a way that fosters a sense of community for me and others? And so these to me are three to seven words, phrases, whatever, that you can evaluate on a year to year basis and say, did I live my life this way this year? And if not, do these still reflect the kind of life I want to be leading? If yes, then what should I be doing differently to make yeah. them that way? Yeah. Or if not, how do I, how should I redefine them to make them more like the life I imagine? Yeah. And then you get into vision or like long-term goals or whatever you want to call it. And I've mentioned these kind of seven categories of life before on the podcast, but I think it's helpful to break down long-term vision by these different areas of your life so that as you go through time, you can evaluate them as kind of subsets of what life should look like to you. And to me, those are career. So what you do for work and vocation, uh, financial. So what does wealth and money, what role does that play? 
physical. So what does your physical health and well-being look like? Relationships, so family, friends, things like that. What should those look like in an ideal life down the road? Yeah. Spiritual, you know, are you uh, religious? Do you have some kind of practice that connects you with some higher sense of meaning on a regular basis? Maybe there's nothing there. Mental, so this to me is learning mental health, things that we probably don't talk about enough actually in this country especially. Uh, and then the last one is adventure. So to me, adventure is its own thing because that's that sense of thrill and getting outside your comfort zone and doing the things that get you outside of your everyday life. And as you bucket those things, I think you can paint this overarching picture of what life could look like in some imagined future. And the less you focus on specific accomplishments, which I think is completely different, that's about how, this is about how it feels and what it's like once mm. you're there, mm -hmm. not necessarily what you've done. Yeah, Done is the next step, and I think you can do that later. Uh, Joel Runyon, I think, has this concept of the impossible list. I think it was him who kind of popularized that or whatever. And I love that as a way of talking about how. It's kind of a bucket list, kind of a, a way to break these feelings into things that might make you feel that way. Mm -hmm. So maybe the thing that would give you the biggest sense of community is having a mountain house with no internet service where you can invite people to come spend time with you a couple times a year. Maybe that's one way to tackle that. So that's kind of where you get more practical about how these things happen over time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, as you're talking about those... The first, before you got into the seven, we'll have these listed out in the in the post, which this will be episode 140, uh, right? I think this is episode 140. Yeah, that's right. Fizzleshow.co slash 140. This will hopefully be a lot of uh, a lot of these things written out. It, it, you mentioned it was it was values and vision. And what else before so that? The first one was mission. Mission, values, and vision. Was mission, that it? Mission, value, yeah, and vision. And, yeah. Then, and then in the seven areas sort of uh, of your life. Subsets of vision to me. They're like- okay focusing that vision of and I like, the future. I like, like the way you put it. And like, like these are, I think it's a really good question and, and it, and it deserves a lot of radical self-inquiry to go, how do you want to feel? Because we can kid ourselves all our, all we want about like the things that we think we want and all this stuff. But really it's about like, how am I going to feel when, I don't know, how do you like to feel? I like to feel like my life is, has a purpose and direction. I like to feel like I'm doing pretty good work with some good people. Amy Poehler's great motto, like I want to make cool shit my friends that I'm proud of. Mm -hmm. It's like, I can't really figure out, <laughs> figure out how to define it better than that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. That's a feeling that just is like, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. And I, I think, um, we'll talk about role models here in just a second, but I think there's something really alluring in that. So I think what, what, what someone could do is fizzleshow.co slash 140. Find those, like, those things I remember, uh, you know, uh, Stephen Covey has a similar thing where he breaks it down like, okay, what are the roles that you have in your life? Yep. I'm a dad, I'm a husband. Mm -hmm. I am a creative director for Fizzle. I am a teacher and course maker for mm -hmm. Fizzle. Um, and, and, and the things that you put in there matter. And then it's like, okay, what's, right. what's the feeling that I want to have right. there? What are like the, the, like those big, broad, grand sort of, uh, I don't know, the, those, those, those feelings. And then what's the actions for, like, what are the, what are the, the, the actions or systems? We'll, again, we'll talk about systems here in a second that I want to ha do in the short term, in yeah. the next year. And, and I think there's something about looking at it in the, and you're talking about Corbett, uh, looking at your goals or, or your sort of like life statement type things, your mantra type thing every, every day or every week. It's, it literally is like a have to look at every day kind of thing. Same thing I've learned with, with um, to-do lists. Like I've got a goal right now for by the end of the year to finish our email process and have a new guide out. I love getting to see that every single morning right at the top of Asana. It's so hot in the Asana. 
Wow, it's been a long so time hot. since we've said that. <laughs> and and uh, and and I see it. It's like I have it. Just like goal, all caps, goal. Finish this and that. It's like whatever else is over here. Yeah. Just do that stuff. Yeah. Because I've kind of defined in my head like I'm going to feel good about December if that's done. Yeah, but I, I th- this kind of stuff that Barrett just listed. My my list is very similar. Yeah. Um, to his, like in terms of the categories of of things, I consider them like resources or things that you need to mm-hmm. have lived a uh, a good life. Yeah. Um, anyway, those things I review on a weekly basis only sometimes just every other week, because if you look at it too often, um, you get yourself into the existential pie in the sky right. sort of world. Yeah. And yep. You don't actually do anything. Totally. To prove it's gotta be useful, right? Yeah. So I just look at them, you know, every week or every two weeks. And then from that comes actions mm-hmm. and then it affects exactly. my to-do list. So what do you guys think of, of this? Cause I have, instead of like a, a, I'm actively developing this all right now, but what I've been doing is I keep a little list in my phone, my little notes app. It's kind of like basically mantras for me and, and they're directly sort of designed to sort of counteract an insecurity. I'll read through some of them at the expense of sort of airing my dirty laundry here. But uh, here they are. I am loved and can never truly fail. Truly fail meaning post eventually will we'll launch and fizzle. Like just because you fail at something doesn't mean you're a failure, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm not a failure. I already know that because my wife loves me. My son loves me, yada, yada, yada. Uh, another one. business partner sort my, of likes you. My business partner is, it hasn't left me yet. Eh. Uh, <laughs> I, I am not alone. I don't have to do this alone. I have struggled. I still do. Other, others struggle now too. I can be helpful with honesty, authenticity, and vulnerability. I create things in order to feel significant, but I'm already significant. I am this whole thing. That's an Alan Watts quote. I am this whole thing. This whole thing. When you look at the sunset, when you look out into the universe, you are the universe contemplating itself. <laughs> like it's, you are this whole thing. And then, uh, just as, a, as another addition, what can I do to help you? Right? This, this idea of, of that m- mission and, again. And don't forget that um, you are good enough, smart, smart enough, enough, and, and doggone, doggone it, people, people like me. Oh, you guys. So, <laughs> so, go. The, the, said the same thing. The thing, about, the thing about this, though, is that the more I work on closing that gap between who I am and who I want to be... Yeah the more I realize how important systems are mm-hmm. and I don't want to turn my life into yep. yet another to-do list, but it's, it's great to have, you know, um, yep. mantras like that or daily affirmations or whatever, but if they don't work themselves into something that you do on a regular basis, yeah. then they're no good to you in the long run. Totally. Right? Yeah. I literally use those as like the decompress button. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when I'm like, Oh, why do I feel so crappy? I'll read those and I'll go like, Oh yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to create a sense of significance from the work that I'm making instead of from the people who cherish me. And there's a there's a, um, a quote. I, I probably b- will butcher it. It might be Aristotle, maybe. It's all right. I'm not a vegetarian. It's something like, uh, we are what we habitually do. Yep. Therefore, uh, success is not an act, but a habit. Mm, yeah. Right? It's, yep. it's something that you have to like pick up as okay. your repetitive. So process. on that, on it's that. Excellence, not success. Uh, Before uh, we go to systems. Before we go to systems, there's, you made a really important point. I'm sorry. I know we're going towards systems, which is why I want to say this first. Corbett brought up today versus tomorrow and the difference and closing that gap, right? So there's this really important leadership theory called self-determination theory. Mm. And it's entirely based on the idea of where you are today versus where you want to be tomorrow. 
And before you can be adequately prepared to define success like we just talked about with mission and values and vision, I actually think you need to have good data on where you are today Mm -hmm. because otherwise there is no gap. There's just some future. That's true. Which it's hard to, to draw a map between here and there when there is no here. Yeah. So where that starts is you have to gather data about who you are and what you're made of, basically. And there's uh, objective ways to do that and there's subjective ways, okay? The, so I've got a couple of things that you could tangibly go do to gather the data that will inform the process. Mm. The first one is assessments. And you know, assessments are this weird topic because everybody's got an opinion about what works and what doesn't. The first thing I'm gonna say is that Myers-Briggs has been scientifically proven to be wrong. That's going to really piss some people off, but go read about the five factor theory. And the whole idea behind this is that- This is some of the secret stuff right here. You're going to get a DVD, you're going to sell us on a DVD? The whole idea behind why it's wrong is that Myers-Briggs is either or when all of those categories are actually valence categories, which means that you're on a sliding scale Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that there's more factors than just those four. So anyways- yeah. Realize that going into it because everyone talks about Myers-Briggs and it's actually not as helpful as people make it out to be. So three assessments you could do that might cost a little bit of money, so do what's in your budget to help you gather some objective data. Number one is the Berkman. It's a leadership assessment. It's highly tested. It's been proven that it gives you good data about yourself. The second one is the Highlands Ability Battery. This one is about aptitudes, not personality. So it tells you what your natural... um, inclinations move you towards as far as ability. So it's like rhythm and uh, tonal recognition and uh, pattern recognition. And and that maps to different skill sets, basically. Mm. Um, One is true colors, and that one's much more about personality. I see your true colors (laughs) shining through. See your true colors, and that's why I love you. So don't be afraid to let them go. I'm just getting. Did we really? Did I? I was not sure on that last bit. I don't really know if I know that last bit. But you know what? It was good. Do you not either? I just want uh, to I don't know. I thought you were going with more like, oh, this isn't as hip as it seemed. Oh, yeah. I into this song, so Got I'm it. Gonna just fade out just real fade cool. Out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, keep that going. That was I just want everyone to know. I'm sorry, Barrett, you were saying? So those are all ways to get objective feedback. <laughs> and the thing about assessments is that you give them the data they reflect back to you. Let's be very clear. You're giving them information and they're just telling you something about that information. So yeah. it's not magic. They're telling you what you already know. But Facebook does that, so I don't really need any of these, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and then Strengths Finder would be a cheap one. So if you want a cheap option, Strengths Finder you can get for like fifteen bucks. They give yeah. you a code, and that's basic. But then you need objective feed or uh, subjective feedback as well. And just like big companies have always used three hundred and sixty degree evaluations to um, measure performance to get feedback from customers and employees and managers and everyone around you, you can do that in your life. So you can think of getting uh, feedback from a manager and from a spouse and from a child and from an employee of yours, whoever the, I'll call them stakeholders of your life. Mm. You can ask them several questions to say, how do you perceive me? Um, What do you see as my biggest strengths? What do you see as my biggest drawbacks or weaknesses? And you're going to, and if you encourage them to be candid, you're going to get some valuable information back that wouldn't be in an assessment. This is so Barrett to me. All of this is, by the way. You recognize how, like, it's a, like so. It's like it's a. Um, it's very cut and dry. It's very. It's very. Uh, it's analytical. It's analytical and just like and very sure that there's like a right answer. That like like this is going to be helpful data. 
well, you were getting it. You were getting the data that you were giving it, uh, kind of thing, right? Yeah. But to me, the the I agree with having a system, and I think about a lot of this stuff in the exact same way that Bear's talking. Yeah. Um, because I think it's really easy just to be like, oh, I'm disappointed with myself. I should think about what I want in my life and have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And then you put it away and you never think about it again. I don't know that there's certainty in this, but right. it is my, I have like a lot of stuff written down that I, that I pour over all the time to say like, you know, how close is this gap? And it doesn't mean there's certainty, but it means this is my best guess at what I should be doing to improve myself right, right. now. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And and to me, one of the one of the greatest things that we can achieve isn't uh, experiences and accomplishments and all this stuff. Those matter to me. It's being able to do the because they're fun. It's yes. <laughs> uh, in addition to being able to do the splits, like Van Dam, it's also contentment in itself and mm. and yep. so there's a there's a danger yeah. of feeling like you can only be happy if there's a gap between where you are and where you want to be right. there's also something to be gained from recognizing what you've accomplished who you are and that you can be comfortable in your own yeah and to be honest that's kind of where i start in this whole thing like and and james altucher who i don't even i don't really know how i feel about him but he basically <laughs> he says some stuff that's like he, we read the same books like we listen yeah. to the same teachers and he's like, listen, the only way to have a successful life or successful tomorrow or successful future or successful legacy is to have a successful moment right now. Yes. You know, it's it's so to me, the hack of all of this thing is this very Buddhisty, LSD trippy kind of we, that we already are. Every, we already are the thing that that we are. And, and you're just trying to 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 achieve something that helps the world see you as that thing too. But it, it, at the same time, there's these things that I want. So first of all, I am successful. In which ways? I don't know. I got to find those those out, I guess. And I have to realize that those matter. So mm -hmm. I, like I've said, like, like I didn't know I could use my relationship with my wife to feel better about myself. Like that's new information to me. You know what I mean? I thought I had to have notoriety on the web and with the people that I care about in order to be a good person. Yep. Right? And it's yeah. like brokenness like that in me where I'm just like, oh, I was blind to that. Totally blind to it. Um, little things like that where it's like, no, you're already successful. You already can create out of that place of of I am the thing. I, I am a thing. I am Chase and I'm doing this thing. I'm Corbett. I'm I'm the walrus. <laughs> Cuckoo. Kachu. You know what I mean? We can somebody get that walrus of Damn, Kleenex. He's getting it all over the place. Steph, what, what so, are you hearing? Yeah. Yeah, I have to jump in on this one. So as we've been talking about like personal mission and what that sounds like, for me, this is very close to mine, at least for my season, the season that you talked about, the season of life for me right now is something like my best life right now. And for me, this came from, you know, a lot of the assessments Barrett has talked about. I have been through a couple different kinds in my leadership background. The two that I really like, one is DISC assessment, mm -hmm. which assesses your communication style. By the way, Barrett really just like. made a face. He's like, "Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay." <laughs> I'm a big Keep fan. going, please, Steph. It was life changing. It was life changing for me, yeah. and um, it really helped me understand how I was communicating with other people. Um, for the but record, one, I you like know, that one of my one. mentors helped me understand something that really like blew the doors off of everything for me. He told me there is no there, mm. and that was like as like a you know, just forever gold star chaser, forever overachiever. That was almost a sad moment for me when I was like, I couldn't even get my mind around mm -hmm. it. I was like, what do you yeah. mean? There's no there. Like, what does that mean? But the truth is like, there is no better moment than this moment right now. And I just, uh, before Bear's probably thinking it, but that's not an excuse to be happy with status quo. That's not what I'm saying at all. But to Corbett's point, there might not be a tomorrow. So you can think about what you want the future to look like all you want, yeah. but you've got to 
ask yourself, like, how do I be fully present in this moment? How do I make this moment something that really counts? And I don't think that's something that I always did a great job with. So for me, my best life right now is how I, I, I try to think of my goals and my values so mm-hmm. that I can feel really good about every single day. I think, this is, okay, go, go. We, we have a tendency uh, on the team to like think, okay, this is what we're doing right now. Somebody comes up with a new idea and then we think, oh, that new idea is the salvation. It's save us. Right. And, and we put things into really like, concrete black and white terms and um at the end of the day i think the real answer is often somewhere in between Mm -hmm. and it's easy to get sucked down that that buddhist like philosophy of i just need to be i'm chasing contentment in the moment yeah but what you have to realize is there is something fundamental to the human spirit and psyche that loves tension yeah that's why we love stories right Mm -hmm. and we love the journey and, and what it takes to accomplish something. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really, the answer I think is somewhere in between striving yeah, and being content. It's exactly right. It's, it's a good yes. way of putting it because it has to be a both and. I'm not done becoming, but I already am, right? It's like right. this these kinds of things. Um, so what, what, what I'm also seeing is I, like like one of the one of the, the little little things that's been said a few times is like it's not okay to just like be like I'm a, I'm fine with being status quo. No, that's 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 not true. Con- I think the contentment thing, it, like we think contentment is settling, and and I think we also think that like having achieved a goal is being successful, and neither of those things are true. Right? You achieve your goal that you think that you've done all the tests and you you thought you wanted to be this. You 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 will be wrong eventually on those kinds of things and you will have to find that successful moment now or you'll never be able to feel it. And that's yep. why it's so much easier to describe success as feelings yeah. than accomplishments yeah. because you can feel a thing today and tomorrow and forever yeah. through the pursuit of different things. Whereas projects yeah. happen one time and they're over or mm. a goal happens one time and it's done and now you got to reset your sights. Yeah. Whereas many different projects could make you feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, yep. So success is more a state of being than it is right. an accomplishment. Or- I think one, one way into this is, is, is not just looking at your strengths, but really looking at your weaknesses. If it, you could do this radical self-inquiry on where your insecurities are. Where are your insecurities? And what are the, like for me, I know like I am trying to get everyone to like me. Mm. If someone doesn't like me, it is not okay. And it's been a process of like of figuring that out, and uh, and now that's like a thing that I can talk about and understand and watch happen, and, and I can and I fail about that a lot. Like I get really worked up about, and then I have to go kind of take a breath and come back to like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, mm-hmm. I'm okay, everything's okay, right? So, so I'm gonna go into rapid fire mode here because we're just a little bit over time. Can I say one thing about weaknesses. Get into weaknesses. I, I think this topic's. It's funny, Barrett. You weren't very we're interested. You weren't very interested in this topic before. <laughs> you weren't very interested in the other one. Either. Turns out it always a, happens. You're like you're not interested in this because. <laughs> because you're like, uh, are we gonna unpack this whole thing from within my chest cavity? It's like when you uh, tell your kid you're going to something somewhere, yeah. and they're like, I don't want to do that, yeah. and then you get there, and it's the greatest time. Yeah, it's the greatest time. It's how Aiden is with salads all the time. I don't want to leave, Dad. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to leave yet. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to leave yet. Go on. Anyways, <laughs> it totally is. He doesn't want to leave yet. It's perfect. Oh, do we have to go now? <laughs> Keep going. The thing about strengths and weaknesses is that there's a lot of research that says that. Uh, improving on strengths creates much better uh, mental state of being and performance over time mm-hmm. as opposed to improving on weaknesses. So the yep. thing about weaknesses is extremely important because you st- it doesn't mean you don't need to know what they are. 
It means yeah. that the point of knowing weaknesses yeah. is more to avoid situations where those are most likely to be revealed. Yeah, it's to watch your it's to watch exactly. your blind spots or right. to watch like exactly. the where where you're where you will behave out of rage, fear, yeah. uncertainty, doubt. Yeah, agree. Without thinking about it. Right. This is it's it's just a reflex. Yeah. My reflex is to try to get people is to need people to like me. Totally. And so once I identify that, take a deep breath, acknowledge, move on. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, I don't need you to like me. I can stay on the path that I was previously on. Right. Making good. Shit for people who are trying to earn a living doing something that they care about. Totally. Oh, that's right. That's what I'm doing. Yep. You yeah. know, reducing blind spots and then avoiding the areas where you're most likely to experience yeah. those weaknesses. To me, that's totally. the biggest, That those are the pivotal um, paradigm shift moments for me is being able to articulate the the thing that was the engine of my movement beforehand that I had no idea there that was the boiler room down there that was even right like it has a name it has a category it has power and 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 it can do things like it, it can make me do things I didn't even know it existed mm-hmm. and so now I've given now that I have the name for the thing and I can watch the behavior it's like oh right you know so now this is this is the practice of like noticing that all the time um, yep. Okay, so uh, anything? And okay, we're ready for some rapid fire. Okay, I'm gonna do a, a little bit of recap here. We talked about the difference between this season and the all-time sort of definition of success. I think it's important to define sort of actionable things in this because I think your definition of success is fundamentally something that you have to do stuff towards. Yep. Okay, we talked about that balance between what you need right now versus what you want later on. And there's always going to be a dance there. And there's something about that tension that is that is just fundamentally a human experience and and very modern. Um, listen, we talked about mission. We talked about mission. Like, oh, this is an important problem to me. Or like, even if it's an insignificant sort of thing, it's a, it doesn't have to be like globally recognized as an important thing, but just a sense of like, I want to help here. I see people struggling here. I want to help it. Um, that's a one way in, one avenue into looking for some senses of like, being in the vein of purpose. There's another one that I didn't talk about. There's this great pain, the great story that Annie Dillard, great writer, um, wrote an article called A Writer's Job Description. And she talks to her friend in it who became a very successful painter. And she is like, what, what made you get into painting? Like, why? You've, you've spent your whole life doing this. You've got a lot of recognition. Very successful. What made you start painting in the first place? And what kind of kept you going? And he said... I like the smell of paint. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like how how fundamentally like just toddler-esque that is, how yeah. simple human that, that is. <laughs> Let me add one more yeah. quote on that. Yeah. Uh, we were at an artist talk a few weeks ago and somebody in the audience asked the painter, how do you know when you're done? Because yeah. there are abstract yeah. paintings. And he said, you know when you're done when you stop making mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great way of like, <laughs> of, of, like, of like taking the question and going like, uh, is that? Did you just make me ask another question? Is that the same question now? Um, so this idea of I like the smell of paint to me is what do you just like the feeling of doing? What are the things that you just enjoy the experience of? For me, I make little music on my on my computer th- that we will use in like the background of courses or in podcasts or in things like that. Once I figured out I could make music beds for things that they didn't have to be a song, it could just be kind of a vibe, and it doesn't have to have a purpose, doesn't have anything like that. No, no results that I'm looking for. Right? Yeah. I really like getting lost making in inside the application, making these tunes inside the melodies and the rhythms and the things like that. I just I'm fluent in that as long as I can take 
that pressure from performance away from it, right? Looking for those things that you just like the smell of paint. You just like the way it feels. I like the clickety-clack of the of the keyboard. I like the... Yeah, because that's something you can gain satisfaction from on, that, on a daily moment. That's something when you're 80, you're going to be like, I wish I spent more time doing that. Yeah. I guarantee you, if there's something that you can do the work to notice, like that you and actually just enjoy the feeling of doing this thing, you will look back eventually and go, I, I do wish I spent more time doing that. Yeah. There's nothing that there's nothing that would would have kept me from. Um, okay, so those are two different things. What do you just enjoy the feeling of doing, and what's a mission? Like what, what's a, like a mission that you c- can connect with? And I think you can probably find a couple of of each of those. And then uh, another quick little tip here is like we all do this. Who's your role model? Like who's a couple role models for success for you? I actually go and I I I I find them. I spend a lot of time researching and investigating them. These are all already people that I have a sort of attenuation to. Yep. I print out pictures of them and I put them on my wall. <laughs> the, you know? the other thing I ask myself with role models is, is not always do I want to be just like them. It's but, never that, right? But who are the people that can teach me to be more like what I want to become? Yeah. And different people are going to be able to teach you different aspects of that. Yeah. You know, one person is not going to be able to be your career role model and your family role model and your spiritual role model and whatever else, yeah. but they can probably be one type of role model for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And I think that's always been helpful for me is realizing that just because I look up to someone and I learn from them, it doesn't mean that everything I do has to be like that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's the, and, and, and so when I, th- I think that's a very important clarification on role model, it's not who do I want to live just like. It's like, hey, in this area of business, who thinks about business in inspiring ways to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, so for me, like Stephen Colbert is, is one that's just like, he just does this process week in, week out, every single day. And, and he bal- I just, I'm, fun- I'm amazed at how he does it, right? I just admire that so much. Uh, Alton Brown or Bob Goff or uh, Jeff Veen or, or whoever I'm, I'll land on tomorrow. That's right. like, I'm just using, actually today, I just, I'll put this in show notes. Great article about, what's his name? Jack Dorsey. I love the way he thinks about business. I, I, I had no idea he was that, he, he would resonate that much with me, right? Just like all the things that I imagine an entrepreneur should be. I'm like, okay, he's fired me up nether role model i'm like wow this is interesting so that's a way to kind of like slip into their skin into their character a little trick for me as i go like okay so what would jack dorsey do in fizzle next as like if i can get to know him really well uh, like a little bit like i can go like oh maybe he'd make this kind of decision Mm -hmm. that's the kind of person that he is i love that for making decisions okay so um i guess one more thing is uh, two more little things and then we'll talk about we haven't still haven't talked about systems versus versus goals but no, we're gonna do that. this is gonna be an hour and a half episode get over here, keep listening so uh another thing to think about is actionable we've talked we've mentioned this a few times already making things actionable instead of just these ethereal sort of platitudes totally don't have any rubber meeting the road that that that's where to me like the whole like this season versus for the rest of my life thing is important. i'll give a great example of this we asked you asked for five sentence business descriptions the Mm. other day from the fizzle twitter account yeah i don't know what the wording was on this one but it was like i create magical auras around amazing people and I wanted to roll over and crawl up in a ball and not get up for the rest of the day because <laughs> I really hope that that business is not actually what I think it is, which is nothingness. It's like yeah. this ephemeral mist yeah. that goes away five minutes later. <laughs> so you can have a mantra yeah. like that. And also you have to back it up with something that's 
action oriented. Yep. Not just this like idea that nobody can actually grasp. Yep. No, no, totally. Absolutely. Um, and then, and then another good question that, that came from Barrett several years or several episodes back, like, I don't know, whatever, 50 or 60 episodes back probably, <laughs> um, is what do you want your body of work to look like in five years? I still think about that question. I still think it's a very powerful question. What do you want your body of work to look like in five years? And like, what are the things that you want in there? Do you want articles? Do you want books? And while you're at it, what do you want your body to look like? What do you want your body to work (laughs) like in five years? (laughs) I'll tell you what, I know what I want my wife's body to look like. I want it to stay roughly the same as it does right now. Uh, I don't want any large changes in either direction. (laughs) So we've come to this this one little motion uh, at the end of a movement, uh, I guess, rather, at the end of this thing where we talk about, because a lot of what we've talked about here has been, you could arguably say a lot of these same things about a goal. Not just the definition of success. It's also just picking which, like defining your next goal or a handful of goals. Um, that's my son yelling in the background. <laughs> I hope that comes through on the microphones. <laughs> I heard it. So uh, oh, I lost it. Th- the thing about, about a goal, there's this great uh, article from front of the show, um, James Clear, and he it's, it's called, I'll put it in the show notes. He talks about the difference between pursuing a goal and setting up and committing to a process, a system of work. And he says, by, by and large, you will have more success on the latter because on the goal, first of all, you're defining success by when I have attained this goal. Mm-hmm. I will feel the things that I hope one day I will feel about myself and yep. my work, right? Um, and that fundamentally we know is a broken construct. You're never, like if you, you're always going, you're never going to say like, if I get to the top of the mountain, I'll be happy. You're never going to get there and feel the things you want to feel. You'll always feel like, is there another mountain I could climb? Maybe then that will be the thing, Yep. you know? So, so this idea of goal-based stuff is kind of a little bit, a little bit broken in us, though it's a great way to achieve things you want to do. The, the other thing to commit to instead is a process, a system. I am going to write uh, one of the things that he said in there is I wrote a hundred and what was it? 155,000 words uh, this year in the articles that I, I wrote. I didn't commit. I didn't commit to writing a book. That's two books. That's, that's more than two books worth of stuff. He said, I didn't commit to writing a book. I didn't even have a goal of doing anything like that. I committed to writing a post every, every Monday and Thursday. That's it. Yep. That's a, that's the process. That's the system that I committed to. Yep. And now the outcome and the result of it is this. I could never have imagined well, this. Well, and then he got to enjoy twice a week, you know, yeah. writing and publishing an article instead yep. of like feeling like, oh God, it's not. And you end up failing at those big goals yeah. a lot of times because it's just too much pressure, right? Yeah. We have this great article on the Sparkline written by Mike Cole, a, an author who says, you've got to learn to love the effort divorced from the results you know, the outcomes. You got the effort, the smell of the paint, the way it feels to go clickety-clack on the typewriter, whatever it is, there's something, you've got to have, look for the things that you have that kind of just baseline enjoyment in because whatever you do is going to take a ton of work. And if you try to do that on things that are thankless and feeling tasks that feel crappy, it's not going to go the way that you want. And the stuff with the with habits, it's not, interestingly, all that much different from a the growth process we talked about whenever on the show of uh, brainstorming experiments that test these hypotheses about what you think will make you feel a certain way. And so if success is defined as feeling a certain way, then these habits that you develop or try 
are experiments to see if they do make you feel the way you think they're going yeah. to. Yeah. And over time, it's about honing and, and maintaining the things that do make you feel how you want and getting rid of the ones that don't to, so that you have space to try new ones. Yeah. The thing that is really difficult when you're talking about systems and habits and like action-oriented stuff related to your definition of success is that it can be easy to want to do the like, ah, I got to do everything right now, right now, right now, right now. Yeah, yeah. It's much easier to focus on one or two areas of your life at a time as your focus areas. So if you know kind of a baseline layer of habits that you like maintaining that lead to some of the feelings you want to feel, yeah, then you can pick, you know, okay, I'm going to work on career this year or this quarter or whatever and really focus on instituting some new habits, a writing habit or mm -hmm. whatever habit. Yeah. But you can't pick one of those things that you're changing in every area of your life because it's too much of a burden on your mental state of being. Mm -hmm. And you, mm -hmm. so you've got to focus a little bit and they add up over time, not all at once. Yep. Yeah, I think so. Listen, this is what I want to do next, okay? This is how we'll, how we'll close close this out. I want each of us to to speak to someone in the audience who is is like us, thinks about life. Or imagine yourself a year or two or three ago. Given all the things we've just discussed, what is the steps or step or steps that you would have them do to actually create their own definition of success in, in as few words as possible? Steph, do you feel like that's clear enough? You'd want to give it, give it a go? I'll give it a go. So let me just clarify, speak to someone who is roughly where I was maybe a year or two ago and maybe talk about some things to do to move forward and, and figure out what success might yeah, look like. Totally. All right. Um, I think for me, I would say, if you are someone who feels like praise is what you seek or getting head pats or feeling like recognition for the sake of being recognized is something that makes you feel like you're good at your job or you're good in general, like you're a good person because people recognize you and people say you do a good job and you don't like how that feels because I know I didn't like how that felt. And I was like climbing this ladder in, in this company that I had been with for a while. And it made me feel good that people liked me and cheered me on. And I kept earning these positions, but if you're starting to get that feeling where you just don't know where it's all leading and you don't really know what like your end game is, that's really where I ended up is it felt good. Again, it goes back to what I was talking about with ego. It felt good to be, I mean, honestly, this is like, this is super honest. It felt good to be admired yeah. to some, to some degree. Yeah. It felt good to be famous, you know, with, even within a company. But as I looked down the road and started thinking about big things I've talked about on the show before, like family and like lifestyle, I had no idea yeah. how I was going to get from point A to point B, zero idea. And the first thing I think you have to do is figure out like, what are those things that are important to you? Do you want to be able to be involved in your children's life as a parent, for example? Do you want to be able to travel six months out of the year? Do you want to be able to spend time with your immediate family? Whatever that looks like, you have to figure out what's really important. And then the next step is ask yourself, what is the work that I can do? What are the things that, how can I kind of arrange my life in a way that's going to help me work towards those things that provide contentment and provide long-term satisfaction versus this very kind of like quick hit of fame and notoriety and praise and recognition. Yep. So for me, that's what I would mm, say. Mm. Corbett, what would you say? So I'd say for people who are uh, not operating on their own, let's say you have a family or you're building a team mm -hmm. or something, um, instead of just asking, what do I want for my life? 
ask what do we want from our lives and involve those other people because they can help you achieve it and because it's going to create less tension Mm. between you and those people as you try to move towards those goals. Yeah, I remember that from uh, episode 55, I think it was the the marriage episode where we talk about... entrepreneurs here's let's talk with our spouses about these sorts of things that's mm-hmm. a great episode fizzleshow.co uh episode 55 fizzleshow.co fizzleshow.co <laughs> you know you're gonna be going to the fizzle show man barrett what do you think <laughs> so shaking his head. It. uh yeah that's gonna we're going through that right now even as a team talking about what we all want and how that relates to one another mm-hmm. it's a good one yeah so i would say you know get some inputs get some get some data about where you are where you stand you like taking choosing one of these if it was you two years ago you'd tell him to do which which of the i would do one assessment and which assessment um i would do the highlands ability battery okay and i would do one of those 360 degree reviews with five people Okay. But ask them three questions. When it I'm really not... sounds like a strongman competition. Yeah, you the they, well, you start... Highlands ability battery. <laughs> yeah, it starts with tearing a phone book. I would ask uh, five in the name people, of the Lord. Five people in my life, the same three questions. How do people talk about me when I'm not in the room? Mm-hmm. What are my greatest, you know, two or three strengths? And what do you see as my three biggest weak spots? Yeah. From five people from different areas of life. Not all from work, not all from family, different areas. So I would get inputs. Second thing I would do is I would do the mission, values, and vision thing that we mm-hmm. talked about. So that's kind of like future state where you want to go. Yeah. Then um, the beginning of the year is such a like fertile time for this. It's perfect timing as far as what and when to do it. I would have I like having a theme or uh, a mantra for the year because mm-hmm. it helps you then establish the systems you want to create in your life. Mine right now is hosa. Nice. Yeah, I've got, I like that. I'm working yeah. on that one. Uh-huh. That's your work, mantra? I've workshopped it, like, yeah. Some peace and calm. Yeah. and Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, like I said, mine for this year was do more of less, and that helped me focus on getting rid of all of the things that were causing stress in my life, which was just me overcommitting. Mm. And so that helped me establish the systems mm. for 2015, and that's really setting me up nicely for 2016 as far as now. It's a little scary, actually, to set a new mantra because it's worked very well for me getting rid of things. Now I get to look at the new year as what's my theme and then what systems are going to help me embody that this year. Yeah. And the theme to me relates to the vision because it's like, what's a theme I could pursue to help me be more like the person I imagine myself to be? Yeah. All right. I like that. And then for me, I'd say for if you're like a creative, uh, sensitive person out there, I, I, I would, um, gosh, where, where, would I, where would I go with this? I would think about the systems, this question of, of honestly, what do you want your body of work to look like? Actually write it down, just answer it. I still haven't answered it. I've still just been thinking about how great of a question it is <laughs> and how difficult it is to an answer and how amazing it's going to be when I have a great body of work one day. It's so Chase Reeves. It's so Chase Reeves. It's so Raven. Um, I, would, I, would, I would think about that question, write something down and, and make a very, very simple strategy or a system, sorry, commit to a very simple system for actually doing that. That might mean writing a blog post every week that's just on Medium and whatever. It might mean like making a silly, like jokey image. It might mean designing a website for a thing. I don't know what, right? But but there's something about that body of work question that for me is about who am I? I look at my body work, body of work as like who I am, mm-hmm. probably more so than a lot of other people. And, um, and that's not necessarily healthy, but I think given the radical self-inquiry and the working with therapist and reading lots of lots of great books you can go like okay what's a healthier way of looking about this work at you know of like balancing this and like because it's always i i'm like 100 committed to improving the dignity of the work that people do i love that i think it's really really valuable and important and so how do we how do i balance that how am i going to balance that 
So to me, what's the, what's the body work? Five years, commit to develop just a simple system and commit to it and do the work. And then I think for all of these, it's like coming up with these, workshopping these things with your spouses, loved ones, friends, at least someone in your life probably. And if, you, if you're lucky enough to have that kind of relationship. And then also, even better, if you could do it with a small group that you can meet with on a weekly basis, very simple, asking questions like, how are you, are you still doing it? What'd you do this week? What are you going to do next week? What'd you do this week? What are you going to do next week? What'd you do this week? What are you going to do next yeah. week? And, and week after week after week after week after week, it's a way of like sort of socially uh, uh, keeping yourself accountable to the to the stuff yep. you know, that you want to do. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Lee Barr. I just want to say, I know it was a longer episode. And also, I hope it was valuable. I think it was worth taking the time to do the whole thing and unpack the topic. And you were right, Chase. I've been Barrett Allen Brooks. And we didn't do that much screwing around, so everybody should be happy. (laughs) (laughs) I've been Steph Crowder. And we'll see you there, or we'll see you on another time. (laughs) So there you have it. Fizzleshow.co slash 140. That's 140. is where you're going to find all the links and show notes from this episode. The personality tests, the ideas collected and waiting for you there. Fizzleshow.co slash 140. Hey, and while you're there, sign up for the free New Business Foundations Kit that we just put out. It comes with guides and worksheets to help you make smart progress and avoid the worst pitfalls in business. I'll have it right there by the show notes. You can sign up. That's fizzleshow.co slash 140. Here's an iTunes review from Salt Project. Fizzle folks, I just finished Back to Mother Effing Square 1. Rebuilding a Freelance Business from Scratch. It's episode 137 of the show. It was smart, practical, funny, encouraging, hopeful, and honest all at the same time. I always appreciate the experience, heart, and soul, and silliness you guys pour in each and every episode. And because of your weekly advice and expertise, our little production company, saltproject.org, is humming right along. We even made a short film for O Magazine. Thanks for all your hard work. Ah, thank you! I love that salt project. Thanks for the review. And please tell Oprah to call me back. Our goal here is to help you make progress on your business every single week. When you leave us an iTunes review, it helps other entrepreneurs to find this show. So could you leave us a review? Simply search for the show in the iTunes store and click write a review. All right. Here's another blessing for you from uh, John O'Donohue's book to bless the space between us. May the work you do challenge you towards new frontiers that will emerge as you begin to approach them, calling forth from you the full force and depth of your undiscovered gifts. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks. I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.